it starts very much smaller. It starts with the small things like, like you said, you know, just rolling their eyes, talking back, uh, walking away from you when you're trying to talk to them, just anything like that. The tone in their voice that you, you just attend to those small things. Now, here's the great thing. When you attend to things when they're small, you only have to use small responses. Okay. It's like with the horse animals too. Right, right. You don't have to escalate your consequences or anything like that. When it's small, you can deal with it when it's small with small, your small responses. And that's really the happiest way to raise rear children is take care of the small things and the big things will take care of themselves. Families with Dash offers a balanced parenting approach from generations of tried and true methods combined with research and insights from today. I'm Amelia Murdoch, founder of Dash Into Learning, the popular education company and homeschool mom of four. And I'm Joan Landis, licensed clinical mental health counselor, mom of seven adult children, and grandmother of 16 and counting. And I happen to be Amelia's mom. So what are we going to talk about? We want you to get the benefit of our decades of clinical experience and real life in the family trenches. We offer unique and actionable insights about family life, marriage, and homeschooling. Join us on Families with Dash and become confident and happy parents. Hi, we are happy to be here for another podcast with Families with Dash. Yep. Here with my mom this week. Mm-hmm. We had my sister on last week, which was really fun. Just giving another perspective on a successful homeschool experience. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're going to talk about something that's kind of interesting and different. I'll let my mom. Yeah. And it has a lot of psychological principles associated with it, uh, but really uh, tried and true applications to families. And that is how having an animal and dealing with animals can really benefit your family and help children learn and help parents learn and kind of the applications of that. So I don't know, yeah. what were some of the animals that you remember in your yeah, life? So I grew up with a lot of animals and I love animals and I always attribute a lot of my ability to understand little toddler children to mm-hmm. learning how animals That's right. Learning how animals think. <laughs> because a two-year-old has a lot of similarities too. <laughs> A dog, <laughs> just in the way, just their intelligence level. Yeah. So a dog and a toddler have similar intelligence levels, right? Yeah. So if you put the pressure on a dog for mm-hmm. training, mm-hmm. it's very similar to a toddler. And I know I brought this up once with a friend, and she was just like a gas, mortified. She was like, um, oh. "Children are not the same thing as animals." Right. I'm like, "That's not what I'm saying." Yeah. We're not saying they're the same as animals, but there's some big overlap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a child growing up and learning how to train animals and learning how to deal with animals, because animals are not always going to do what you want to do. Right. It just gives you a whole nother perspective. Right. That you don't get really with anything else. Well, and I think one of the great benefits of growing up with animals and training animals and taking care of animals is that as, you know, the, the leader in that relationship with the animal, the child or the adult has to maintain an an emotional equilibrium. They have to learn not to freak out when the animal does something unpredictable or, uh, you know, just the training isn't there. To me, that's one of the big learning things is learning to stay very focused and calm and supportive of that animal as the animal is really struggling. 
And so to me, I think that's one of the big takeaways that has so much overlap with children. And children can start learning this, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, don't you find, yeah, and as your children have riding lessons with horses, you know, young children or people who are a little bit less mature, if something happens in the riding lesson with the horse, the less mature person will kind of blame the horse. Mm. Oh, this is a bad horse. Oh, you know, they did this. But the trainer will always say, Mm. what? It's the rider. Yeah. Yeah, it's the rider. The rider did not give the cues. The rider did not prepare the horse for success, things like that. And it helps the child to take more responsibility for what's happening instead of externalizing their distress by blaming the animal. Or realizing this horse needs this kind of training. You know, you need to work with this horse more. Consistently. Right. I think that's a real benefit, especially with horses, that children start learning, you know, it's not the horse as much as it is my, I need to do more to make sure that's set up correctly. You know, I think the same thing kind of goes for dogs. It's mm-hmm. just a little less prevalent because you're not really riding them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the same thing. If you mm-hmm. have a dog that's out of control, oh yeah, is it really the dog's fault? <laughs> I mean, right. It's, so, <laughs> anyways, there's so many there's so many things we can talk about today. And um, I grew up riding horses, like my mm-hmm. mom was talking about. And I grew up having dogs, mm-hmm. and we had chickens and mm-hmm. goats and. <laughs> All sorts of things. And right now we just moved to a farm and my girls, we have cats and chicks and ponies and a dog. So Mm -hmm. they're learning to take care of all these things. It's such a great way to learn responsibility, which seems so generic, but really it is because, you know, one day my daughter has the job of feeding horses. Mm -hmm. And one day we went out there and there was no water. And we were like, "Uh oh, you said you watered. And she was like, well, you know, she didn't really water. Mm -hmm. And as we filled up the water together, the horses were so thirsty. And they got to see, oh, wow, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do. Right. There's suffering. Real consequence. Mm -hmm. And it really, really got through to them. And they are like vigilant about keeping that water full, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect, which is Mm -hmm. like real consequences. This is not just, oh, my mom made some consequence where Mm -hmm. if I don't clean up my room, I have to do this. And I think that's super beneficial. Right. Do you remember that time when you had forgotten to water as a... a Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, for some reason... (laughs) I don't know why we had these like little tiny troughs. I'm like, why don't we just get a bigger Big trough? trough. I know. So they would be always out of water. <laughs> and I think I didn't water. I'm like, yeah, I didn't water. Yeah. I, well, I went out there and found the horses. I mean, it was dry. Thirsty. It was dry. And when I filled that up, they drank and drank and drank and drank. And as they drank and drank, I could feel my sense of injustice and rage just well up in me like these horses are being tortured. And so I, boy, did I, I jumped in the car and I went over to the, I think it was junior high, wasn't it? I think so. Oh man, I yanked you out of class and I'm just like, I just really gave you, I can't. You're going home and feeding horses. I thought that it was over the intercom. It might've been. I thought they called me. They said, Amelia, your mom says you didn't water the horses. (laughs) Over the intercom, and I was it like, what? <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but I was like, okay, yeah. So that was that was not very, good. yeah, very direct saying, no, 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 this is not happening. And I, boy, I just remember how upset I was. And you know, it's one of those things that it's a real learning opportunity, um, that would not come mm-hmm. in other ways, yeah. And I think that animals also they teach you to put someone else before yourself, yes, as a kid. Yes. which a lot of times you don't have that opportunity. 
if you have adults around you and um I think we said you can't eat breakfast until you feed the horses. That's right. See so the yeah. We the, would say put our hunger uh right. to the side and right. go take care of the animals first. Right. So that kind of thing is Yeah, that's just the ethics of the farm. Yeah. You know, that was survival on the farm is you always take care of the animals before you take your care of yourself because mm-hmm. you will never forget to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, so you've got to milk those cows, you've got to water everybody, you've got to feed everybody, make sure that they've got shelter if the storm's coming. I mean, how many times were we out there putting a tarp over the hay stack mm-hmm. as, you know, in the so, storm? In the storm. We didn't do it ahead of time. <laughs> okay, next time, let's do this ahead of time. <laughs> Right. And yeah, so those, those, kind or when of the things. kids, you know, they forget to drain the hose. Oh. And the, it's frozen in the winter. And oh. so the kids, you have to carry buckets and you learn, wow, I'm going to take care of this ahead of time. That's right. By draining the hose. Just right. little things like that. Right. And the parents are just like, well, that's how it is instead of, yep, just real life consequences. Yeah. yeah. People, you don't, you don't have to scold your children. You're just like, well, you're carrying buckets, aren't you? And what would be a better way to solve that next time? Oh, you know, drain the hose before it freezes. That's yeah. right. And if you can't have, you know, farm animals like horses and mm-hmm. stuff, the same thing can be done with cats and dogs. Yes. And like my, my and husband, gerbils um, and, you know, yeah. guinea pigs. Yeah. Rabbits. And turtles. Yeah. Frogs. Anything yeah. is very similar. Mm-hmm. And my one daughter has the job of feeding the and watering the dog. And it's funny because Matt will be like, they're always out of water, but then he'll always fill the water, fill the food for them when they don't do it. I'm like, how are they going to learn to right. do it if it's always magically done? Right. So we've had to like be like, no, this has to be a, this is their responsibility mm-hmm. and we can guide them. Mm-hmm. But if you just do it for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing too, is it gives them an opportunity to develop some empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I ever did this, but it, it would be interesting, you know, if you saw the, the dog or cat was out of water to, you know, just not let your child get anything to drink for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, just if, if they said, Mom, you know, can I have some milk or something? So, hmm, I don't know. Why don't you go look at your dog bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I just think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're thirsty. What about your dog? Just developing that empathy. And it empathy is kind of hard for children. A lot of times they just can't imagine they're they're so egocentric. They just it's hard for them to realize that creatures and, and animals and uh, people outside of themselves have feelings, too, and needs and wants. And it's a good way for them to develop that and really feel it. And you as a parent can do that instead of just saying, you know, go, f- go fill up your, you know, the, the dog dish. Instead of doing that, you know, you put your arm around your child and, and you, you say, oh, just think how thirsty that dog is have you ever been thirsty right and help them develop that empathy by basically co-regulating with them and not just scolding them and and telling them what to do Mm -hmm. right so we don't want to miss the opportunity of teaching and helping our children to feel that empathy because that's a really great way to learn it that's a a nice opportunity too yeah that's really cool Mm -hmm. another thing that you know Animals need to be trained, right? Animals need to be trained. And, you know, you can't take a wild animal and try hope to make it work inside civilization or a family. And so you have to start from a very, very young age with an animal. And not only that, but, you know, animals that are literally wild animals, Mm. they may do okay for a little while while they are young. They will revert back almost always. They'll revert back to that wild state. Because domesticated animals have been bred for, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years to be more attuned to an, to humans and, you know, and to take some of that 
ferociousness out of them. So the training has to start early. And that's a good lesson for kids because as we, you know, help children to learn good habits early on, they can see with a young animal, see, now you need to, you know, train that puppy. We've got to train it to go to the bathroom in the right place and and things like that. And we can't wait till that dog is like five years old to do that, right? Yeah, right. It's like if you want to have a pet chicken, you can't just leave it alone. Right. You have to spend right. time handling it. Right, exactly. And and so they can take those lessons into their lives as you say, well, all right, so, we're, you know, we need to teach you to work while you're young mm-hmm. and do music while you're young and do school while you're young. And, and that helps them go, oh, okay, I think I get that. It's like, yeah, the best way is to start when you're young. And that's just how it is. You yeah. know, that's just kind of a fact of life. You know, think about the principles of training, too, that are so important with mammals especially mammals, but even chickens, those principles of training really do uh, have a lot of overlap with children. And I think parents need to kind of remember some of those basic concepts. The nice thing with uh, dogs is no matter what you do, almost no matter what you do, the dogs will come back and love you, wag their tail, you know. And they want to be bonded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Horses do want the bonding, but they're not as forgiving. It's like they're a little more. as much. Yeah, well, and I think they're a little more like humans. You know, if you abuse a horse or are not consistent or they remember, they remember there can be traumatized. I yeah. Think. Yeah. And they they will not necessarily just fawn on you and wag their tail and say, I still love you. They'll be like, mm, no, I don't trust you. And so I think for me, when I think of helping, you know, people understand humans better, horses are kind of instructive. I think there's a reason equine therapy is a is a thing. Is a, right. Right. Because. Uh, the relationship that you have with a horse is more like a human in a way than than dogs because the horse will remember any kind of lapses or uh, abuse and well also if if you have if you have lost your emotion like you basically have lost your temper a right. dog right. won't respond as negatively right a horse will feel that it's yeah. like oh the horse can feel if you're scared it's literally true like it's that's, literally that's true. not just a metaphor a myth. it's mm-hmm. real whereas a dog yeah. doesn't as much well, and so well, you're not riding a dog true yeah but if you're around a horse and you're very anxious or mm-hmm. you're very loud or mm-hmm. you're jumping around the child mm-hmm. has not learned to contain some of that mm-hmm. craziness mm-hmm. the horse will respond mm-hmm. and not be happy and, and so, react and right. react and right. so whereas a dog not so much but that's one thing with horses is it's helped my kids to, hey, you've got to rein it in. Right. You, you really have to Those have emotions. that self-emotional control yeah. in order to properly train and handle a horse. Part of that might be because a horse is a prey animal. Yeah, for sure. They're more aware. Right. And they'll be more easily spooked and more easily, mm-hmm. you know, upset. Whereas a dog is a predator. Yeah. And so they don't have exactly the same response. I remember training horses and training dogs and learning basically the concept that um, you need to stay focused as the trainer and mm-hmm. not get distracted by whatever the animal is getting distracted by. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, here's my boundary. Here's the line. This is what we're working on. Mm-hmm. And if you cross this, I'm going to have to do this. Mm-hmm. Basically, that has applied so well to having toddlers. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a young mom, I was like, oh, this is exactly like what I had to do with my <laughs> young horse. And some of my friends would have no concept of this. And mm-hmm. the timing, timing is really important. You timing. can't with an animal, if you do any sort of discipline or pressure and it's 10 seconds too late, it's going to have no connection mm-hmm. to what just happened. Yeah, so you have to learn as a kid or 
pretty quickly like, hey, I have to respond quickly. I have Mm -hmm. to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so similar with kids. If you do something with a child and it's 10 minutes later, it's going to have no, you know, with a toddler. It's it's hard for them to connect. Connect, right. right, Exactly. Yeah. We always said you have four seconds Mm -hmm. between the stimulus and the response. And so if the horse makes, if you do an ask, here's the ask, and the horse has, you know, a response that is, you know, not what you want, then you have about four seconds before you need to respond to that and either, you know, put a little pressure on or reward them or whatever it is. Four seconds. Think in those terms. I think it's exactly the same with dogs. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so think in those terms with toddlers too. Yeah. Because the timely response helps them to connect up what just happened. And not be confused. Right. Because they can get very confused. Very confused. If the timing is off for the training. Right. Right. So for instance, one of the really common things with riding horses is you'll be in an arena riding. And if the horse doesn't have a good work ethic yet, right, which is very common, mm-hmm. right? They haven't developed that attention span. Right. They haven't developed the attention span. They haven't loved to learn how to work under saddle and for various reasons. And it could be the rider's fault, right? If the rider is making it painful, then of course, who wants to do that? Mm-hmm. But say for some reason, they haven't really developed that work ethic yet. Um, what the horse will do is kind of try to head for the gate, mm-hmm. right? Because the gate means what? They get to stop working. That uh-huh, the Go gate, to the pasture and right, eat their food. Right. Relax. Right. And so the interesting thing is that if as a rider, and this happens with children all the time that are riding and creates spoiled ponies, <laughs> is that the horse will very subtly head for the gate or start trotting faster towards the gate. The circle will get closer and closer, closer to, to the, the gate. gate. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that correction needs to happen early on. It needs to happen when the motion is very small. Nipping you, it in the bud. Exactly. You don't wait and wait and wait until the horse is rearing up and throwing you off and bolting towards the gate. You have to make those little corrections, you know, when the horse is making those little motions. And that that is a concept that a lot of parents kind of maybe don't understand. They're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal yet. Yeah. Yet. No. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. Start when those little those little protests, those little things that are happening with the child are still small. Make those little corrections then and you will head off so much problem because right. there's nothing as bad as a gate sour or a barn sour horse. Dangerous, that, yeah. Dangerous, right? And a barn sour horse is when you're out in riding the trail on the trails. And as soon as you turn the horse to head for home, some horses that are barn sour will take the bit in their mouth and just bolt. And there's nothing you can do because that horse, I mean, it takes a real expert because that horse has been trained. Oh, we always gallop for home. And so this is what they expect. Well, guess whose fault it is that the horse's barns are? It's not the horse. It's the trainer. It's the rider that has, you know, created that habit of running for home. And so don't be surprised when the horse does it. Right. And it's kind of like with with toddlers or, you know, I see on Instagram people say, oh, well, even experts, they'll say things like, oh, you know, my kid today yelled and screamed at me that they hate me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did you get to that point? Exactly. Like there had to be a lot of little things ahead of right. that where the child, you know, whether they were rolling their eyes right. or talking. In sassy. A, yeah, sassy. Mm-hmm. And you just said, oh, well, they're just and venting. Eventually it gets to this point where it is just like. Right. Horrible. Right. And to me, I see a lot of similarities with the animal, you Mm -hmm. know, nipping things in the bud, Mm -hmm. keeping it straight in line. Mm -hmm. And then the horse will know Mm -hmm. 
what to do. And it's the mm-hmm. same with kids. Like this is the acceptable route. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Yeah. I can say with seven kids, I never, I never had a kid yell at me and say, I hate you. Never. Yeah. Never. Never happened. Have all your kids been repressed emotionally because of this? No, 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 right. no, no. And it's just saying the acceptable way to express distress is not that. Yeah. And so we're not doing that. But it starts very much smaller. It starts with the small things like, like you said, you know, just rolling their eyes, talking back, uh, walking away from you when you're trying to talk to them. Just anything like that. The tone in their voice that you, you just attend to those small things. Now, here's the great thing. When you attend to things when they're small, you only have to use small responses. Okay. It's like you, with the horse animals too. Right. Right. You don't have to escalate your consequences or anything like that. It, when it's small, you can deal with it when it's small with small, your small responses. And that's really the happiest way to raise yeah. rear children is take care of the small things and the big, big things will take care of themselves. Ignore the small things and you can have a dangerous horse on your hands. You can have sure. a, a kid that's out of control too. And you'll ask any trainer of animals and they will say, a retrain of something that someone has done a bad job on and right. let all the stuff get away with is 10 times Much harder, harder than starting from the beginning and keeping those things right in line. Those right. little things like we're talking right. about. Right. Right. Yeah. Or I remember a trainer that said, I would rather have a wild horse off the, off the prairie mm-hmm. to train than one that's been spoiled and yeah. mishandled someone that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Because it's better to have a clean slate rather than one where you have to do all this reworking of habits and thoughts and expectations. So I think that concept that animals can teach us that attend to the small things. Do not ignore the small things. I remember learning that and distinctly thinking of that Mm -hmm. later in my life with so many other things. Mm -hmm. Right. The other thing I think that's important is, you know, that there's different ways to uh, reinforce behavior. Yeah. Right. Now, psychologically, there's uh, a few different concepts um, when you're reinforcing behavior. Now, this is a very behavioral approach. This is not like, you know, empathizing with them and understanding to the core. Right. It's not right. It's not really getting into their heart and everything. It's just like saying, boom, here's the different ways you can reinforce behavior. And one of them is to it's positive reinforcement. And that's where you add something good. The carrot. Yeah, that's the carrot. Uh, negative reinforcement is where you take away something good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Punishment is where you add something bad. Yeah. Okay. If you understand those three concepts, then you realize you've got three different ways to reinforce behavior. One of the most important that people don't understand is positive reinforcement is where you add something good. You're giving a carrot to the horse. Yeah. Okay. Negative reinforcement is when you are removing something bad. Okay. Like you have uh, some spurs on the horse. Okay. You're putting some pressure on the horse, right? The reward is you take the pressure off the, the, their sides. Yeah. Okay. So that is negative reinforcement. You're reinforcing the behavior. Yeah. Punishment is when you add something bad. Okay. You're like, oops, that happened. So we're going to, you know, you have to stay in your room yeah. or whatever, whatever it is. Okay. So that's punishment. Most people don't understand the power of negative reinforcement. Yeah. They get the carrot, they get the stick, but they don't understand the negative reinforcement. Okay. With horses, if you really understand horses, it's really a a beautiful way to help 
courses, learn, and it's really great with, with kids too. So what you do is you have an expectation that's kind of like a little bit of pressure, mm -hmm. okay? Sometimes it's things like, say you have an expectation of your child practicing the piano every day for 30 minutes, okay? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the expectation. That's a little pressure on them, Yeah. okay? That's a little bit like, you know, when you're dealing with horses, you take your hand and you push on certain parts of their body and say, you've got some pressure or you pull on the halter or you put a little pressure on their, on their mouth. You're asking them to move. You're asking, right, right, right. And so that's putting a little pressure on them. Okay. When they respond well, you take the pressure off. That's negative reinforcement. That is pleasure. That feels good. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you haven't fed them a carrot. Yeah. You haven't fed them another horse you treat. You haven't said, oh, good job. That was great. Right, 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 right. And, and so for instance, with children, it would be, you have the expectation to do the dishes after breakfast every day. So that expectation or practice the piano. So that expectation is the little bit of pressure. Yeah. What would you do in order to reward them to reinforce something using that pressure? What you do is you'd say, oh, you don't have to do the dishes today. You did that. That was really great. Or guess what? You were so kind to your sister. You only need to practice half as much as yeah. normal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's negative reinforcement. Yeah. And a lot of parents don't understand that. Yeah. They either think all I have is the carrot. I've got to give my kid M&Ms or stickers, or we're going to punish them through consequences and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's a really important concept. If parents can understand negative reinforcement, it's a super cool tool that you have and you look like the good guy. Right. 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 And that's why with horses, it actually, you think it's counterintuitive. It's like, you know, you're pushing on the horse or you're, you're putting some pressure on their halter. You think they would look at you and go like, oh, you're so mean. Actually, they don't. But what it looks like is when they respond well and you take that pressure off, they're like, oh, oh I can relax now. You're, you're kind of nice. Oh, well, you make it feel good. Yeah, you? yeah. And in fact, with horses, a lot of times if you've used your knuckle or your hand or something to push, you know, on their girth or, or on their belly or something to get them to move over, what you do is you actually rub that gently mm -hmm. afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. You're making friends with that again. You're yeah. like, hey, no, I can make this feel really good. That's a little bit of a positive reinforcement, right? Yeah. So same with kids. They do not resent you. They actually look at you as, oh, wow, you're, you're like the nicest thing ever. And it kind of, you align. They're like, well. That's something I really don't hear in the Instagram parent coaching very much is this idea of re negative reinforcement, which is, you know, taking away the thing that actually is putting a little pressure on them. Yeah. Okay. And I'm using that word pressure just kind of in the horse training sense. I don't mean to pressure children, but just yeah. the expectations, Yeah. you know, but it can be super useful. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I think also animals are good at teaching children that you need to spend time to develop a relationship. Oh, I love that. Because, you know, they don't realize what a relationship takes, but with my cats, when we got our kittens, they were very scared. Yes. They didn't want people to touch them at all. Mm-hmm. And I told my girls, if you go out there every day and play with them, they're going to love you. And my one daughter has made it a point to spend one to two hours a day mm -hmm. with the cats, just mm -hmm. cuddling, cuddling, cuddling. Mm -hmm. And eventually now she comes in, she says, mom, I was just sitting there and they just jumped on my lap. Aww. And she just is so happy. And she has seen how Make this that relationship bond. has developed right. over the past two months. And it wasn't an instant thing. Right. You know, it's taken two months for this delayed gratification, yeah, which mm -hmm. is so cool. And then my other daughter, she has spent some time out there, but not quite as much. And you can tell that the cats don't have the same relationship. Trust. With and I think that's a really cool concept for kids to. Oh, Amelia, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that because that's that's a step beyond training. It says create the relationship 
And then actually the training happens much easier. Much easier. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a profound insight that you just shared. And and with horses, very much so with horses, if all you do is just get jump on a lesson horse and take a lesson and get off, that really, you don't develop that bond and that relationship with the horse. For sure. The horse doesn't look to you for leadership, which they're bred to be looking for a leader in the herd. And if they don't look to you for leadership, then they simply are not as coachable. They're not as trainable. Okay. They don't have as much trust in you. They guard themselves from you. And it's to human relationships. Right. Yeah. Very much so. I just love that concept that you just made so explicit. My my husband told me this story. They got a, a rabbit for their mom's birthday. Okay, great gift, right? <laughs> and they said that the person that they got the rabbit from said, Don't touch the rabbit for two weeks. And I was like, They told you not to touch the rabbit for two weeks? Wow. And so they were like, No, keep hands off. And I was like, okay. And so then then when they finally touched it, it was psycho. This crazy rabbit. It would just scratch and bite and freak out. And I was like, that is so sad. (laughs) But that right there is, you know, you can teach kids, no, we need to develop this relationship Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a, as a probably a, maybe a fifth grader. I had a rabbit. I loved that rabbit. I would spend so much time with that rabbit. And my goal with that rabbit was to tip back on a chair. And so I was kind of at an angle. And I would get the rabbit so relaxed that the rabbit would lay down, belly up. On its back. On its back. In, in between, you know, as right, on, on, your, my, on my lap. On your lap. Yeah. Right. I made look a little, and he would, he would relax. And he just go to sleep with his little paws up in the air. <laughs> and I just love knowing that he trusted me that much. And because rabbits, no, they don't like no. to expose no, their bellies. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it so was, cute. but it was a very important part of my growing up is, is yeah. realizing I could train and calm that rabbit. And then it helped and me it have takes, more confidence. In, it takes time. Right. Right. Something that in our fast paced world, mm-hmm. Kids are not seeing as much. Right. And then one more thing that I wanted to mention that mm-hmm. farm life basically teaches is it gives you a way to teach sex education. Oh, right. Without being super explicit, explicit. about human. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like I we bred our dogs and I was basically like, OK, this is the concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The physiology of it is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of interested as a kid, but mm-hmm. it's not sexual right because it's the animal it's just factual it's factual yeah Yeah. and like you know my cats there's a male and a female and the female is pregnant and it's like if you have a male and a female together and doing Mm -hmm. this they will get pregnant that's right and my kids have now learned that and that's just Mm -hmm. you know it makes it very makes it very real doesn't it it's just not an idea it's not like the movies or something it's like no this is how nature works and this is expected this yeah. is the rule, not the exception. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think, been beneficial. And I know not everyone is going to breed animals, but, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's somebody to think about when you're on. Mm-hmm. Or, or even just their anatomy, you know. Exactly. Boy yeah. animals, girl animals, you yeah. know, talking about that. And you can talk about it. And it, it you know, it's a lot less personal if, if you sometimes there's a little bit of uncomfortableness. It could there. be so much less awkward mm-hmm. with animals mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's very scientific, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's cool too. Yep. Well, um, the, I guess, I guess the, let's see, what else? Is there anything else we need to cover? I, I just feel like I wish we could go through a little protocol of kind of like training. Yeah. You know, 
I, I think if we did that, that would be helpful. So it's not quite as general. So for instance, with a, with a toddler, I'm telling you, you can do this very, very quickly with a, a youngster, like a baby that's still crawling. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think parents kind of miss is the idea that delayed gratification is a really good thing to teach and train your children to do. Yeah, okay. Really. Just to wait, wait a little bit, contain yourself. Right. Because I think a lot of parents get into the trap of, oh, my kid is upset. They're dysregulated. I've just got to do something right now to make him feel better. Mm -hmm. Well, that's depriving your child of the opportunity to learn how to manage their own emotions. Right. Also, that's sending a really powerful message to your child that says, well, you can't possibly manage your emotions. Someone's got to intervene and make it all better for you. Yeah. That's a very disempowering message for a child. For sure. Isn't it? And so one of the things that I think is useful is to delay some gratification and train the child. Oh, we have to wait a minute. That's actually one of the good uses of saying grace before meals. Mm. Okay. We're all sitting down. People are hungry, things like that. You're like, hmm. We're going to say grace. We're going to thank God for our blessings. We're going to contain. Right. Everyone, you know, be quiet while this is happening. And it's maybe a minute or two. And then, boom, okay, everyone's eating. And sometimes, and I think we mentioned this in another podcast, is this idea of, okay, you know, I've got a mass of kids here at the bar. We're going to be, you know, serving them food. Everyone, you need to be quiet for 10 seconds. Everybody, boom, let's count it. One, two. Yeah. And somebody goes, ah, and you go, oh, and you got to start over. Same with animals. If you just, if you never teach a dog to sit and wait for their food. Exactly. Jump all over you. Exactly. Dinner, how fun is that? No. No, it's, it's horrible. dangerous. So you have to, it's, it's yeah. good training for a dog to say, sit. Right. And wait. Right. And the food is down. And then when right. I say. Right. It's time. Right. Then you get the food. Exactly. And, and so kids can be, they, they can be taught the same types of things is that there's certain times when you know, you can be loud and jumping and all that. There's certain times you must wait quietly. And that is really good for them to see themselves. That Then yeah. they can see themselves. I do know how to do that. Instead of, I've never done that. There's always been someone, sho- you know, shoving a sucker in my mouth. Yeah. Or, try- or turning on the TV for me. And so that's just a little example of something that, you know, you put a little pressure on. You know, you're saying, okay, here it is. You need to wait. And, and then you take that pressure off. Yay. Okay. Now we can do something else. See, that's easy. Or if it's like, here's the expectation, you're quiet. And then what we're going to do is positive, positive reinforcement. Yay. Everybody can eat now. Does that make sense? For sure. So there's lots of different ways to be able to teach children to behave and do not feel, don't hesitate. Do not hesitate to teach your children to behave. Oh, one other thing. Don't try to do too many goals at once. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. You can only teach youngsters. Don't do too many habits at one time. Nope. Like one. One (laughs) or maybe two. Yeah. You know, consistently. And then when they master it, you move on and do another one. And you always want to make sure you're tracking up on that old one. Yes. Like not letting it go. Yeah. So that as your as the parent is like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, we mastered the concept of putting the shoes in the basket. Right. And I'm not going to just forget about that. Exactly. Right. And the interesting thing is, is with teaching and training, I I like what you say there, because yes, there's a lot of effort at first. The effort goes way down after the habit is established, but there's still a necessary to just follow up. If you see something, you know, you don't have to be punitive. You don't have to be shaming, but oh, there it is. And you don't ignore the small things. Yep. For sure. That's great. Well, I think we got some cool stuff today. Yeah. Animals can be great for children. They really can. One more thought. If your child is habitually cruel to animals, yeah. 
it's a real red flag. Yeah. It's a real red flag. Do not ignore that. If they are hurting an animal. Now, you know, an 18-month-old, mm, you know, they just don't know their strength and all that. And in that case, you have to protect the animal. You do not want to allow the animal to be traumatized by your toddler who doesn't realize that they're pulling their ears or whatever. That's your obligation as yeah. an adult. But if you've got, you know, a child that's maybe three or older who is being habitually cruel to an animal and intentionally cruel. And they don't seem to feel empathy. <laughs> right. Then that you really need to watch that. Yeah. You can use that as a red, as mm -hmm. a, a signal yeah, that a signal. there needs to be a lot of extra teaching about empathy, a lot of modeling, a lot of experiencing things so that they can feel the empathy. And that would be something that you'd want to address early on because that's a marker for later violence um, yeah. in people's lives. So. Yeah. And on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a boy in my neighborhood who was being so cruel to this cat. You know, I was probably seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so much just marching up to him. You know, mm -hmm. he's a couple years older than me. Mm -hmm. You cannot treat that cat that way. That's you know? right. That's and right. I think when you have the empathy for animals, mm -hmm. it gives you those opportunities to, to defend them. Right. Yeah. And that's some, right. another thing. that I remember the exact same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. The, um, <laughs> there was a 14 year old boy in my neighborhood and um, I was probably, how old was I? Let's see. I probably about fifth grade again. And for some reason, we were in the backyard together. He was this awful, awful 14-year-old boy. Everybody hated him. And he had this beautiful collie dog. She was mm -hmm. the sweetest thing named Missy. And in those days, we had these like burglar alarm buzzer things that you could put on your door. And if the door opened, the buzzer would go off. It's really loud. Yeah. Okay. You can imagine how loud it was. And he would hold that dog by the collar and put that buzzer on it, his Missy's ear and Missy would, you know, try to escape and whine mm. and everything. And I remember that sense of injustice in my heart. Mm. It was so powerful. He was doing that. I came up from the back and I jumped on his back <laughs> and I choked him and I said, stop doing that to that dog. <laughs> and, and of course he was bigger than me. And, and he immediately turned around and he pinned me to the ground. Mm. I mean, it was a very hostile act. Mm. He just looked at me and I just looked at him like, you, you can't do that. I, I don't know if he ever did it again. But, but you know, it develops that feeling yeah. in children and it says, no, that, you no, know, not be this, happening. no, 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 yeah. no. That's, I remember I came home and I told you about this kid with the cat and then you called the lady's mom mm -hmm. or that you, you called the lady, the boy's mom. And it was like this thing. And I was like, yeah, I saved that cat. That's right. Kind of thing. <laughs> so funny. All righty. Well, this has okay. been so fun to yeah. visit and I hope we've been helpful to people. It's great concepts and some good tools. Yes, here. yes, yes. Well, All right. Thanks for joining us. Yes. We'll see you next week. Yes. Find more from us at dashintolearning.com for all things educational and learn more about Dash Into Happy, our family-friendly social-emotional learning program. Thanks for being part of Families with Dash. Disclaimer, the information and advice posted on the Dash Into Learning, Dash Into Happy, and Into Happy sites and podcasts is for educational purposes only and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional, medical, legal, or other professional assistance. Call your medical or mental health professional or 911 for all emergencies. Joan Landis, Amelia Murdoch are not liable for any advice or information provided on the account Dash Into Happy, Dash Into Learning, Families with Dash, or Into Happy.